Good evening, Forum. It's so good to have you here tonight. If this is your first time with us, welcome. My name is Pastor Eric. It's such an honor to have you. Uh, you came at a perfect time. It's the first of the month. Come on, anybody ready to celebrate Christmas, Thanksgiving? Come on. I have a lot to be thankful for for this year. Okay, come on. You got to clap louder for the... Come on. If you're going to do something, give it all you've got. Well, you came at the perfect time because we are starting tonight a mini-series that we're calling Dare to Dream. Can you look at your neighbor and say, I dare you to start dreaming? And look at your other neighbor and say, you too, bruh. I'm kidding. You don't say bruh, but dare them too. It, you came at a perfect time. I love the start of new series because I think it's a, it's, it's a time to jump into whatever we're doing here at the forum and... Um, there's a lot of things going on within, within the life of our community, of our church, so I'd like to um, encourage you, if you do not follow us on social media, please follow us on Instagram. We have all the information up there. We do have a progressive dinner in December. I know December's already around the corner. December. Um, so please prepare for that. It is on a Friday, so you'll have to take an extra day, but join us for the progressive dinner. It'll be a lot of fun. But... We'll get there in a few weeks. Tonight, we start Dare to Dream. And I want to start with this question. What would you do if you knew that you would not fail? Think about that for a minute. I asked, I asked someone earlier, and they said, hmm. Uh, and then he started saying, like, I played basketball with Kobe. And I'd say, okay, cool. Um, but what would you do if you knew that whatever you did, you would not fail? Do you remember a time when you were younger and things looked different? When a car in your hand was able to transform into a giant robot that could save the day? Or when you believed that you could have the same dream house that Barbie had? Come on, anybody? I wonder if there's anyone here that remembers the days when you actually believed that a dream could come true. You actually had the, audaci the audacity to believe that a dream could, could come true. I think a lot of us have stopped dreaming. Now, this could be because you've been hurt, or maybe you've seen failure, or maybe you're afraid. But before we continue, it's important for us to understand this, that I'm not just saying tonight, go follow your dreams, because I think, quite frankly, that's a cop-out, and not the way that Jesus intends for us. To tell you to follow your dreams, I think I'd be doing a disservice to you. Instead, what I think and what I would like to suggest to you tonight is that instead of following your dreams, that you would start or for some continue to follow Jesus, who is the dream giver. You know what I'm saying? You don't follow your dreams. We follow Jesus and he gives us the dream. So now it's also important to understand that I'm not talking about, when I say dreams, I'm not just talking about the state of REM sleep. Come on, anybody wish right now that you were in a, in a state of REM sleep? Yeah, y'all are tired. It's been a long day, I know. Did you know that the average adult has four to six um, REM cycles throughout the night as they sleep? Four to six. Those are the moments that we dream. So some of you, all of us, dream at least four to six times a night. Come on, anybody remember your dream from last night? I don't remember. I don't ever remember any of them. Uh, you got you to 
gift on your hands, my friend. But what I'm referring to are the dreams that drive us, the ones that help us wake up and roll out of bed in the morning. I wonder if there's someone here that for a long time you haven't felt, you haven't felt this urgency to roll out of bed. It's actually, you snooze your, your, your alarm a little bit longer than you should, right? Or you call out of work because you don't have a drive. There's nothing fueling your passion. There's nothing fueling your dreams. The kind of dreams that get you excited. The kind of dreams that, that get you to say hi to someone on aisle six of the supermarket. Come on, anybody? It's kind of like real authentic sushi or hot Cheetos and Netflix or a well-timed joke. Come on, anybody? What about the all-consuming, change-the-world passion that ignites every fiber of my being? and makes me want to sing from the mountaintops to wear burlap and stop showering to conserve water. Nah, no, me either. Okay, that's fine. Me either. <laughs> but I think that we have lost our ability to dream because we've lost our ability to see all that God has for us. And there's some people here tonight, you're not dreaming because you've given into logic. And though logic is awesome, but faith, when you're moving in faith, come on, is there someone here tonight that says, I know that something isn't making sense in my life, but I believe in a God that can move mountains. I believe in a God that can help a man walk on water. Come on, anybody? I believe in a God that can raise the dead to life. This isn't about logic. This is about faith. So I wonder if there's someone here tonight that will leave this place with dreams. The Bible says in the book of Joel that at the end, that at the end of times, the young people will see visions and the old people will begin to see dreams. And I wonder if there's someone here tonight that you've been waiting for the Lord to inspire a new dream. I want to pray for you. Everybody close your eyes as, as we jump into this. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, from this moment, begin to remind us of dreams that we had when we were children begin to remind us of a purpose, of a passion that we once had, that for whatever reason we've lost and we've been unable to see, Lord, we are here tonight completely surrendered to you. Lord, we want to dream. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Look at your neighbor and say, and ask them, are you a dreamer? Come on. You dreamer? <laughs> yes. Jeremiah t t says in the 29th chapter, the 11th verse says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Come on, anybody say yes? declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for you and it's to give you a future and a hope. So today we'll be looking at three people in the Bible that I will from this point on called dreamers, okay? Each with their own taste of dream-crushing reality, but they also each saw the purpose and plans of God, the God dreams in their life. There's something you need to understand about a God dream, is that a God dream cannot be stopped by a human. You get what I'm saying? If, if God speaks it, 
then only God can stop it. So I believe that if God has given you a dream, it will come to pass no matter what happens. And so to some of you, you might be in this middle state called the process from, a, from the time that God gave you a dream, but do not give up because if God has spoken, it will come to pass. Yeah. Oh my gosh, come on, somebody has to say amen. 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 So we're going to look at Three characters in the Bible, amazing men of God. And uh, the first one and the first point for tonight, if you're taking notes, write this down. Rejection is not fatal. I wonder if there's anyone here that you've stopped dreaming because your dream has been rejected. Because you've come to a place in your life where you were so excited to have the Barbie dream house and someone said, do you know that that's not real? Come on, anybody, do you remember the day that you found out Santa Claus is not real? Anybody remember that day? Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Well, anybody remember the day that you found out that the tooth fairy was actually your parents sneaking some money in in exchange for your teeth? Anybody? That day might be today for some of you. But there you go. The day that I woke up and my dad was slipping a $20 bill under my pillow, I questioned, what was going on? Dad, I thought the tooth fairy was real. Oh, gosh. But rejection is not... Fatal. And we'll be looking at Joseph for this point. In Genesis chapter 37, there, there will be quite some scripture tonight, so please follow me and then we'll get to the end of this as quick as possible and then we'll all go to in and out You with me? Yes, okay, awesome. But my desire and goal for tonight is that we would all leave encouraged and be dreaming for what God has, is calling us to and then go wait in line at in and out and get a good in and out burger. That's a great, that is a dream. So, all right, so we're going to read from Genesis chapter 37, starting from verse 3, going all the way to the end, okay? It says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. He was favored. They couldn't say a kind word to him. (laughs) Remember that. Joseph's brothers were unable to give a kind word to Joseph. They couldn't encourage him. One night, Joseph had a dream. Can you say he had a dream? And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more. Gosh, okay, thanks. And he said, listen to this dream. Listen, 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 listen. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Do we have any older siblings in this building? Okay. If, if, if your younger sibling ever came up to you and said, you will bow down to me, guess what we would do? We'd say, no. Here's the thing. I remember clear as day, my little brother, who's four year, three years younger than me, coming up to me. And I've always been, I've been this height till since basically I came out of the womb. And so my brother, <laughs> as he was growing up, I remember him. We, we were both in Taekwondo. Okay. I was about this tall and he was about this tall. And I remember facing him and winning every time. I remember fighting in our bedrooms because he had stolen something from me and beating him up every single time. But I dare not stand against my brother at this point in my life because I know that my brother, when he is angry, is taller than me. He's stronger than me. He can take me out easily. Come on, are there any older brothers that are like, hmm, or is it just me? It must, it must just be me, for sure, for sure. 
But here were Joseph's older brothers, and they were punking on the little one as it, because he was just telling them his dream. He was just innocent communicating the dream that he's having. And his brothers hate him. They can't even encourage him. His brothers actually responded, so you think you will be our king, hmm? Do you believe that you will actually reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. At this point in life, we can see Joseph is starting to, to, get, to get rejected. His family is rejecting the dreams that he has. They can't even encourage him. I wonder if there's anyone here that you're saying, I feel rejected because there are dreams, there are things that I've been trying to do to put into action that God has called me to, but the people around me are not encouraging me. Anybody here that you've surrounded yourself with people that instead of celebrating you are rejecting you? Joseph's brothers responded in that way. And so here comes Joseph and he has another dream. (laughs) And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? In other words, he was saying, what are you talking about? You can't do that. He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brother went to pasture pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. And Joseph responded with this. He just said, I'm ready to go. I wonder if there's someone here that's saying, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to dream again. Joseph was in this place where he has told his siblings and he's told his father the dreams over his life and nobody believes that that will come to pass. Joseph was receiving a God dream and and I won't go through all of the story, but from this point on, Joseph's brothers try to kill him. Anybody know that? Joseph's brothers, instead of killing him, they end up throwing him in a ditch and then they sell him and then he goes to prison and then he goes through this whole life. And guess what? We come to the end of Joseph's life and Joseph, it's like it comes full circle, ends up being the second in command to the king. It's like his dream came true. And then we see that his siblings and his father come to him. And the dream that, Jacob ha- that Joseph had when he was a young kid years later comes to pass. There's one thing that I can learn from this is that the rejection that Joseph experienced when he was younger was not the finale. It did not end. His God dream did not stop because someone said, you can't do that. His dream continued whether or not he had someone. And I, I wonder if what God was doing was preparing Joseph and separating him from poisonous relationships. I wonder if there's anyone here that we are in a poisonous relationship. There's a, a song. Anybody remember the, the old song, That Girl is Poison? Anybody? No, one person. Sweet. But it's all, the, the, the song is about a group of friends that are talking to, to one of their friends that is in love. Come on, anybody 
You, you have that one friend that when he falls for someone, you're like, hmm. He's like, oh, I love her so much. But bro, I love her so much. I think I'm going to marry this girl. Dude, you just said hi to her. Yeah, I know. I know. But, but dude, you have no idea. She smells so good. Her eyes are pretty. You know nothing about her. What's her last name? Oh, no, bro. But it's okay because her last name is going to be my last name. So it's fine. She doesn't have to know that. <laughs> right? Come on. Anybody have those friends? Anybody have those friends? I, I am that friend, actually. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> My own girlfriend said that, so there you go. But that girl is poisoned. The, guy, the friends are trying to, to tell the other friend, dude, you see, you're not seeing straight. You can't see what we can see. And I think that what God was doing in this place for Joseph is that Joseph could not see from the perspective that God was seeing. What he was doing was removing him, although painful, from a poisonous place so that Joseph could see God's dream come to pass in his life. I wonder if there's anyone here that what you've experienced, the rejection that you felt in your life, I wonder if that rejection was not meant to hurt you and to break you, but to prepare you for the promise that was to come. Joseph, when he was a kid, received a promise, received a dream. And God was going to do whatever it took to make sure that this young boy that was called, that was created in his image, that was prepared, set apart for him, that his dream would come to pass. Rejection is not fatal. It's not where it ends. And Joseph learned that. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that you're saying, I feel like no one believes me. I feel like there's this dream that's inside of me, but every time that I've tried to tell someone about it, they just turn the other cheek because of what I look like, because of who I am, because of my past. Anybody? People have looked at you and judged you based on your past, based on your family. But I love that God does not look at any of those. He looks at you through the eyes of Jesus. And when he sees you, he sees Jesus. And So the God dream has to come to pass. Joseph was a dreamer. And I think that his life was meant to encourage us that rejection is not final. Can you look at your neighbor and say, rejection is not fatal. It's not fatal. Now the second people that we're going to look like, to look at, not like, maybe you could look like, but we're going to look at is Paul and Ananias. Fear is not fatal. I, I wonder if there's anyone here that you have stopped pursuing a dream because you've gotten to this place of fear. You guys remember last week we talked that fear will paralyze you. Fear will keep you from taking a step forward because you cannot see what's to come. But again, I tell you, we cannot see from the perspective that God sees takes faith for us to step into the water, not fear. If you're moved by fear, you'll stay on the boat. If you're moved by faith, you'll jump off that boat. And you will step into all that God is calling you to. So we see the, the life of Paul wasn't before his name. His, he was known by Saul, and then Jesus met him, and then Jesus changed his name to Paul. Do you know why? Because when Jesus meets you, he doesn't just change uh, what you look like. He changes the nature 
the man inside of you, the woman inside of you. So man, uh, Paul was known as Saul. You guys know who Saul was? Saul was killing people. Saul was, was making sure that if you even said the name Jesus, that you were, you're dead, dead meat, you're out. If Saul had heard that you were a Christian or a believer in Christ, he made sure that you were taken out. And Saul, we see in the book of Acts, the last thing that he did as the man named Saul was he went to the, to, to the higher-ups and he said, hey, there's a group over there and I, I need you to give me permission to go up there and kill them. And so he gets the permission, he gets on his donkey, horse, whatever it was, and he rides over and as he's going to kill some people, Jesus meets him. And he has this interaction with Jesus where he, Jesus says, or Paul, Saul says, who are you? And Jesus says, it is I, Jesus Christ, uh, the man whom you've been persecuting. And so he goes blind. For three days, he goes blind. And so what Paul didn't know is that Jesus was already starting a conversation with a man down the road whose name was Ananias. We pick up that story in Acts chapter 9 from verse 10. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, come on, in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. There we go again, us judging by our past. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Pause. Verse 16, completely important verse. I think we skip over this for some reason, as if being a believer of Jesus isn't going to cost us something, as if following the plans that God has on our lives it's not going to cause us something. Before Saul became Paul, Jesus said, I'm going to teach him what it's like to live for me. And it's going to take suffering. I wonder if some of us haven't realized that following Jesus will cost us more than we think. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Fear is not fatal. Could you imagine what was going on in Ananias' mind? as he heard the Lord call him, give him a dream to go to a man that was killing people, what would you do if God called you to go into a community where people did, were not known for the best to have the best reputation? I wonder how you would feel if the Lord spoke to you tonight and called you to go to a community that was abhorred by your community. This is how Ananias felt. He was afraid. 
because he had heard, if I go to him, he's going to know I'm a Christian and he's, gonna, he's just going to kill me. What he did not know is that God was calling him. And if God was calling him, there's nothing that could come between. He was learning that your fear is not the end. What he had to learn was to step forward. And can you imagine what Paul was feeling? Because I think so many times we focus on the good guy, we forget what the other guy is thinking. Could you imagine what Paul was feeling? Could you imagine what thoughts were going through his mind? Could you imagine what he was thinking? What he was thinking was, I probably, I, you know what, I deserve this, God. Or I think what he was actually thinking was, I just want to be able to see again so I could go finish my, my job. But it was during those three days that Paul had a transformation. The Lord was giving him a new dream, a new passion. Because prior to that, the, the, the passion that fueled Saul was to make sure that anybody that called on the name of Jesus died. But now the new passion that the Lord gave Paul was so that anybody that called on the name of Jesus, guess what, would have eternal life and life in abundance. I wonder if there's anyone here that you've stopped exactly where you are because of the thought of fear and failure. Paul probably felt like a failure, probably had some fear. But there's one thing that we know is that he got up that day, he regained his strength, and now we have so many letters to, church, to the churches because of one man's desire to dream again. wonder if there's someone here that has to dream again, that has to regain a passion from the Lord. And the last point that I want to leave you with tonight is that failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. Again, in the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 22, we see, we see reference to a man named David. It says, but God removed Saul, not Saul, Paul, but Saul in the Old Testament. Read your Bible, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And I always ask myself this question. God, how could David be known as a man after your own heart when David actually committed a sin? He wasn't perfect. How could he be known as a man after your own heart when he himself is a man full of regret and pain and sin? And then the Lord, I felt the Lord teach me through this in saying that his failure was not the end of him. For us to look at David and to say that his lineage ends there because of his failure is to disregard the grace and the mercy of God. The grace that looks at him just that looks at us just as he looks at him and says, I don't care what you've done. If you place your heart in complete surrender in my hands, failure is not the end. Failure is not fatal. And I think there's someone here tonight that you need to grab hold of that promise that your, whatever failure has happened in the past, it is not the end of the dream that God has given you. The call over your life has not ended because you have failed. 
God considered David a man after his own heart. And then I asked myself, okay, okay, that's awesome. You forgive him. That's, that's great. And then I said, okay, but what did David do that, would, that God would consider him? And he answers it in the last part of this verse. He says, he will do everything I want him to do. He will do everything I've wanted him to do. And I, I came to realize that the dreams that God has given us, the God dreams, when you're fully pursuing them, actually means that you're doing that everything that God wants you to do. So if God says, I need you to turn left, what are you doing? You're not going right. You're going left. If God is calling you and leading you, then you will do whatever it takes because I am convinced there is this burning passion in my heart that if the Lord is calling me to a community of people that are broken, that I will be there. If God tomorrow says move, I will move. Despite my failure, despite my fear, despite the rejection in my life. Are you with me? The truth is this. I'd like to invite the worship team back up here. The truth is this, is that your story is still being written. Meaning, there's still, you've still got a lot of life to live. You've still got a lot of steps to take. You've got a lot of things to do. You've got mountains to conquer. You've got oceans to explore. Come on, anybody? You've got people to meet. You've got things to do. The, your story is still being written. And there is so much more that God wants to do in and through you than you, don't, than you even understand. And I believe that there are dreams that are lying asleep within you that the Lord is reminding you of tonight. So I ask again, what would you do if you knew you would not fail? Would you make the call? Would you walk into that job of employment and say, hey, I need a job. I, I'm not necessarily qualified yet, but I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. Would you say yes to the person that just ask you on a date, come on, get a little more practical? Would you apply to the school that you've been so afraid to apply to because your GPA in high school wasn't the highest? Would you take the step in faith to move on to the next season of your life? So I dare you, I dare you to dream tonight. I'd like to invite everybody to stand up. I dare you to dream. I dare you to dream for your future, to dream for your family. I dare you to dream for your city. I dare you to dream for your country. I dare you to dream for your world. You know, I wonder what would happen when God's people begin to dream again. I close in this place. I wonder what would happen. Maybe like Joseph, people will find forgiveness when you begin to dream again. Or maybe like Paul, people will find a new passion when you begin to dream again. Or maybe like David, people will receive new purpose because you've dared to dream. So I dare you tonight 
to dream. And I dare you to ask the Holy Spirit what it is that the enemy has taken from you. What it is that you've been so blinded by. There's, there's people here tonight, you've given up because of the fear that the enemy has placed in your heart. He loves you, and he loves you so much, and he does not want to leave you in the current state that you're in. But when you surrender to him and to his perfect will, you will find that a God dream cannot be stopped by any mere man. And you will see it come to pass. Father, I thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, you have full control of our hearts. Fill us with new dreams. Give us a new visions. Lord, we want to be reminded of the purpose that you've given us. There's some people tonight, Lord, reminding you of the call over your life to stand instead of to flee, to fight instead of cowarding. Father, I thank you. Let's all sing this song as the Holy Spirit ministers into our hearts.